Hey everyone, welcome to the Thursday slash Friday slash Saturday uh, audio edition of the Whitfield Report podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Sam Whitfield, uh, recording this live or uh, pre-recording this from the NGC studios here in South Florida. Um, So, it's been a couple days since I've done a podcast or since I've updated the feed and uh, I apologize for that. My schedule has been a little uh, weird for the past uh, couple weeks. Immediately after I got back from uh, Yalcon Memphis, I had a uh, project for a uh, summer class that I've been taking in school that I had to dive into uh, immediately, or rather finish it up. Uh, I'm glad to say I did finish that uh, project up, and then immediately after that, I've kind of been in the uh, final stages of finals, I guess, for this summer class. Um, I have done some live streams on the YouTube channel this week. Again, uh, unfortunately, Owen Benjamin stuff keeps coming up, uh, which I will get into a little bit this episode. Um, not much, but I'll kind of explain it a little bit um, more towards the end. Uh, but long story short, the I've done live streams and none of the audio, uh, none of the streams from uh, YouTube that I've done this week have downloaded successfully for me to convert to audio files. I don't know why. Um, I did do a Thursday episode, but it, it just didn't convert to audio. So uh, I wanted to do an audio exclusive podcast anyway, so this is the Thursday slash Friday uh, slash first Saturday show, depending on when you're uh, listening to this. So uh, I know this is a bit of a long uh, introduction, and I apologize. Um, but the topic of this week's show, as you can tell from the title, is the uh, intro is uh, the introduction to conservatarianism, uh, as you guys who listen to the audio podcast regularly probably know I did a show uh, last week addressing my concerns on what the libertarian movement has turned into, or I should say the younger generation of libertarians, which is basically, uh, they've gone full anarchy, and, you know, now they're kind of, I guess, LARPing, uh, as the internet term is they're they're LARPing as libertarians, and I know that with like Murray Rothbard and whatnot, there had there have always been you know somewhat an anarchical elements within libertarianism. But I mean, you know, a lot of these kids want to take it into, um, you know, they they want to throw uh, you know libertarianism into like. You know, high gear, let's just go straight to anarchy. So that was my main criticism of libertarianism when I did that show. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't shitting on libertarianism as a whole. I think a lot of people uh, misunderstood that based on some of the feedback um, I got on last week's episode. But then I also got a lot of positive um, feedback from uh, this episode, including a voicemail from a friend of the show and uh, fan of the audio podcast, Ray Eaton, who hosts the Ion the Empire slash Ion 2020 uh, podcast. He left me a great voicemail, um, you know, a couple days ago regarding the most recent episode. And uh, so I want to go ahead and play this voicemail from Ray and, uh, you know, and respond to it and then kick off the show. Uh, So like I said, tonight's topic is going to be what is conservatarianism as I, you know, define it. 
So that'll be tonight's show. Let's get the show started off with uh, Ray Eaton's voicemail. I usually say voicemails when I get them for the end of the show. But in this case, because we're talking about libertarianism and conservatarianism, as I, you know, like to phrase it, you know, we'll start off with this voicemail. So here's... uh, Here's the voicemail from uh, Ray Eaton, friend of the show. So uh, let's listen in. Ray, thanks for calling. Hey, Sam, it's Ray Eaton from the Eye on 2020 podcast. I listened a couple shows you did in the last couple of days uh, addressing your concerns about libertarianism when you went to that conference over the weekend and the others are always concerns that a lot of people have when they meet libertarians is that everyone when they embrace libertarianism they suddenly they move straight over to the anarcho-capitalist world and they think they have the answers to every single problem in the world and that's abolish government and just make it all free markets and to me I've always felt like you you need to have a progression towards it. Let's get to the point where we're arguing about ending the police force and so forth. But we're nowhere need we're nowhere even close to that right now. We have a lot more things to worry about, like abolishing the foreign interventions and all the stuff that was going on overseas. But yeah, you're right. Uh, but yeah, keep on doing what you're doing. I think I really like listening to your show. I really enjoy it, and uh, you know, keep on trucking along, man, because uh, we're gonna win this thing for liberty. So thank you uh, once again to to uh, Ray Eaton, who hosts uh, Ion Twenty Twenty Ion the Empire. Uh, Ray is one of the few libertarians who I feel gets it, uh, and he and I are actually pretty close aligned as far as libertarian goes. Again, I would identify myself as a conservatarian, but I guess conservatarianism could kind of be, like I said in previous episodes, a hybrid of, you know, conservatarianism, of of conservatism and uh, libertarianism. Um, so yeah, one of my big, my biggest issue with uh, libertarians, as I stated last week. It's not even with libertarians themselves, per se. It's with this younger generation who calls themselves um, libertarians, but really they're either anarcho-capitalists or just pure, uh, you know, anarchists. Um, As I've said before, Anarchy and communism are very much the same, right, in the sense that communism sounds great on paper. It works on paper, and it works in an idealistic world. But when it's applied, it becomes tyrannical. See, for example, Russia and China. Uh, Anarchy is the same way. Works good on paper, but anarchy will never work in its pure form. Governments will always be established because that's how human beings, you know, operate at our base levels, where at the end of the day, we are somewhat tribal. Joe Rogan is right about that. Um, you know, and and whether or not you believe in the Bible or, you know, Christianity or whatever religion or if you don't believe, I mean, humans are just that way. So anarchy will never work just because it goes against human nature. What we have in America, or what we used to have at the the founding of America, which was a democratic republic, was and still is, in my opinion, uh, the best form of government. 
you know, government was supposed to be small and limited, and that's the way it, sh- it still should be. So, um, and the the strain of libertarian, I, the strain of libertarianism that I agree with, again has become more conservatarian, which is basically, hey, we don't like very much government, but we recognize uh, the need for government in and of itself, so let's make it as small and uh, limited as possible. Now, uh, another thing is, I did not initially coin the term conservatarian. Um, it, It wasn't Andrew Breitbart who coined the term, but he was the one who uh, initially kind of, uh, influenced the idea of conservatarianism, and then the one who actually coined the term, you know, conservatarian, I guess, is Gavin McGinnis. Now, Gavin McGinnis has been unfairly labeled as an alt-right figurehead now, as basically anyone, you know, who is, you know, in the culture war, who is somewhat on the right these days, everyone gets, you know, kind of labeled alt-right by the left now. It's it's insane. Like, even Ray from Eye on the Empire would probably get labeled as alt-right uh, by the hard left. You know, even though he's never said anything about race in his podcast, you know, libertarian ideas would be considered alt-right by the hard left. So, you know, the the, the phrase alt-right doesn't really, you know, it's, it's a buzzword at the end of the day. Um, but with that being said, uh, Gavin McGinnis, uh, about three years ago, uh, made a video on his YouTube channel saying 10 things I would do to save America. And a lot of what he said uh, that he would do are all very like libertarian principles that I agree with. Uh, and this was kind of before he was labeled as alt-right um, directly. But, I mean, as far as I know, he hasn't really changed his stance on any of these values. These are values that, for the most part, I agree with. And these values are kind of the uh, the basis for conservatarianism, or at least part of it. So, um, I'm going to play this clip from his YouTube channel. I think this uh, video is called 10 Ways to Save America. Um you know, be cautious, there is some language, um, you know, that he uses, but most people who know Gavin's material know that, you know, you know, he does swear a bit, I swear a bit on this podcast too, although I'm trying not to, but yeah, there's a reason why the explicit tag is on the episode. So anyway, uh, here, here is, uh, 10 ways to save America according to Gavin McGinnis. Here are my 10 most insane beliefs, and they are also a wonderful way to save America from itself. All right, here's 10 easy steps to save America, and it sums up my beliefs. And I'm actually throwing you fucking assholes a bone because I'm showing you something you can't actually say is controversial and you don't agree with, okay? Here's something you can finally say that's insane. Abolish prison. 5% 5% of the people in prison are fucking nutbars who could not survive in society and deserve to be in a cage. The other 1.9 million, we've got, what, 2.2 in there? They are there for stupid domestic charges, which is a chick who regrets it. She got beat up. She got a restraining order. She changed her mind. They got back together. She called the cops again a year later. He's now violated his restraining order, and he's treated the same as a stalker who crawled through the window. Meanwhile, his socks are in her top drawer. That's fucking 
400,000 people in jail. The drug war, well, that's just everything now. That's assault, murder, all these other. I'm sure it's linked to domestic abuse, too. Get make Stop incentivizing drug use, and you stop having drug arrests. So, and then you go, well, wait a minute, Gavin, you're crazy. What about murderers? I'm going to handle that in number two, but murder is a very rare crime. For someone to get to the point where they lose their shit so much they murder, they never, almost never do it again. And by the way, on this show, we're going to be making things called generalizations. Now, I know this is hard for 50% of the country to digest, but you're allowed to notice patterns, all right? So when I say there's nobody who has two heads and eats iguanas for breakfast, when you find someone who does actually have like a weird twin growing out of their side and actually does get so hungry in Arizona that they may pop a little gecko in their mouth, that doesn't negate my fucking point, okay? Just because you found an exception to the rule doesn't mean the whole fucking pattern is noticed. Oh, yeah? Race race exists? Really? I know an albino African dude who is part Czechoslovakian and part Native American. Ergo, there's no such thing as black people. No, fuckface. It means you know a weird person. So, we're going to abolish prison. Someone who murders is about the worst case scenario with that theory, and that's very rare. Next... Number two, we're going to give everyone a gun. You know who didn't get looted during the riots in Ferguson or any fucking riot this year? The guy with the machete, the guy that was armed. Remember that dude, Machete Batman? What was he called? The Batman of Baltimore. He didn't have a gun. He just had a machete and no one went near him. Let's get him a gun. And we'll be talking about this with John Lott. He wrote an article recently on Fox's site about how rarely we discuss the armed people who stopped attackers. And one thing we can't even discuss because the numbers are so huge and impossible to quantify, but the number of crimes that are deterred just by assuming she might have a gun in her purse. You can't rape a thirty-eight. Number three, legalized drugs. That takes care of our prison problem, takes care of our uh, guns problem. Right now, I don't understand why everyone in New York is so anti-gun when they're living in a failed gun control experiment. I can't have a fucking BB gun in this city. I can't have a splatball gun. I've been shot like this with a BB gun. In 1989, Paul McCarthy, we were all sleeping over at Tom Williams's house, and Paul said, I called dibs on uh, that bed. I think it was Tom's brother's bed or something. And I got shit-faced, as teenagers are wont to do, and I passed out. And I woke up, and Paul was going, get the fuck out of the bed. And he was pointing a German Luger replica in my face. And I told him to fuck off. And he just went, and I saw him go, oh, shit. And blood was pouring out of my face. It's very inconvenient. You have to go to ER within, actually within several years. And they cut open your face if it's healed. And they pulled out with these very scary looking like alien tube tongs that bend and are super long and pointy. Is the sound it makes when it comes out of your face. That's the worst case scenario. Well, maybe the eyeball. But basically, BB guns, you'd have to take a night course in hurting yourself to hurt yourself. Totally legal. But guess what we have in New York? Over a murder a day. So it's clearly not working giving only the bad guys guns. Let's legalize drugs. We haven't incentivized crime. Now what is the crime in America? Shoplifting? Good. What's next? I think we're up to five now, right? End welfare is a doozy. And I also learned this from my boy, John Lott. Back in the 50s, when we didn't give people, give black people money to dump their boyfriends, which is what single mother welfare is, break up with him here. They had a crime rate that was about the same as whites. Now we know the black crime rate is unfathomable. It's so high that Eric Holder has said, I don't want to hear about this. Okay, we won't tell you. No, 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 no. Don't even record it. The racial crime stats are now done because Eric Holder saw them and his hair went white. His skin, If his skin went white, he wouldn't have cared. So um, since the 50s, however, we've incentivized welfare and we split up the family. That's a huge part of crime. That's a huge part of shit education. That's a huge part of all our problems. Next one. What are we up to now? Seven? Five. Close the borders. 
Anne's book sums that up real simple-like. Adios, America. That's where we're headed with the borders. If you don't think that is an issue and you think that we're all a nation of immigrants and that most immigrants are sweethearts just coming here to clean your house, you're a fucking moron. Google it. Next. Outlaw censorship. Now, I have to be honest. We're, uh, I, I started peppering some in because uh, I wanted to get to 10. That's a nice number. Outlaw censorship sort of pops up in some other ones, like the last one, Shut Down the Government. But when I say outlaw censorship, I'm not just talking about the government because the Supreme Court is actually pretty cool when it comes to the First Amendment. When they get a case and it comes down to free speech, they tend to err on the side of the First Amendment and let that guy say whatever the fuck he wants. If you want to start a Klan rally called Chinks or Fags, and march down to City Hall, you'll get a police escort. You will be protected. I'm not really talking about the government on this one. I'm talking about us. We're the shitbags when it comes to censorship. We're the ones trying to get people fired. We're the ones getting offended or pretending to get offended all the time. We're the ones that want to shut down comedy clubs and end that whole genre, that whole job. We want to end it. We're the ones freaking out. I just saw uh, uh, the other day, remember Brendan uh, Brendan Ike, the guy who got fired from Mozilla? One of the homos who shut him down was goading him on Twitter. He's been fired for a year. And he's like, I haven't heard much of Brendan Ike. I wonder what that little fucking homophobe's up to. And Brendan Ike tweets him back and goes, uh, you called for me to be fired and said I should never work again. And that's what's been going on. Still unemployed. Still fucked. And, and he goes, how are you? And then this guy goes, happily married, having fun. You know, thereby proving that his whole point was just to fuck up the guy's life. That's what we have to get away from. I don't care. I'm offended from every moment I wake up to the second I go to bed, and half of my nightmares are offensive. So I'm offended 23.5 hours a day. We have to live with that. Next. Venerate the housewife. I don't know how many dried-up ovaries I walk around next to every day. I don't think I barely know any chicks who have kids. All my friends from high school, their cunts are like rotten tea bags. Baby free and will remain that way. And they always say, good. I think kids are gross. They always say childbirth is gross too. And they can't wait to have their career. And I go, what's your career? And they go, scheduling marketing meetings with record labels. Oh, good. I'm glad you didn't create a human life. Let's stop making the housewife a sellout job and stop glorifying these shitty careers women take. There's something you can be offended by. Next. Glorify the entrepreneur. We're coming to the end here, guys. I'm sorry to drop so much heaviness on you at the beginning of a brand new show. I promise this will be much cheerier, but I have to get this out of the way so you know where I'm coming from. Michelle Malkin has a great book out called Who Built That? And it's making fun of Obama's stupid quote where he goes, you, you have a business? You didn't build that? People took roads to get there. Why does he talk Southern, by the way, when he's from fucking Hawaii? Don't they talk like Canadians? They sound like hosers to me. Um, we need to glorify entrepreneurs and vilify them less. Like Donald Trump made a ton of money. That's cool. When the oil companies have record profits, you don't go, ew, gross, record profits. I want them to make record losses. Next. Recognize the West is the best. I want more. This is, this is, I will admit, pretty offensive. Uh, I'm a Western chauvinist. I've been, lived all over the world. I know a lot about other cultures, and I know how much they suck shit, okay? Multiculturalism reeks, and we see this every day with every attack. These jihadists go, well, I'm told America sucks, so what else you got? Oh, we have this uh, culture, Islam, that's super proud of itself and wants to blow everything up. I'm in. And we choose that. If we could be more chauvinistic and more proud and not be sent home on Cinco de Mayo from our own high schools for wearing an American flag shirt, you would see a ripple effect from that patriotism of a lot more great American things. We don't suck. We didn't start slavery. We ended it. Let's be a little more smug. Last, shut down the government. I, all I can think of when people say that is roads. And I don't know where we got this idea that roads are free. When I go upstate, I end up spending about 40 fucking dollars on my easy pass. They seem pretty privatized to me. So say we have a few more potholes, which I don't think will happen. 
Uh, we don't need them for anything. And let's stop imbuing all this faith into basically the DMV. You know when you go to the DMV and everyone there is borderline retarded and they, they can't even pronounce Gavine McIns? You know those morons? That's the whole White House. All politicians are just ugly actors. It's Hollywood for ugly people, but even more ruthless and shallow. So let's stop coming up with these ideas where we go, let's get more regulation, like even Occupy Wall Street. Fuck the rich. We want to fucking close down Wall Street. We need more government regulation. They're screaming anti-cop stuff and waving communist flags. Do you know how many cops you're going to get if this place goes Russian on your ass? You're going to vanish in the middle of the night for going to a protest is what's going to happen. Or it'll be like in Chile where they spray purple paint on you and then every time the cops see someone purple, they kick the living shit out of them for weeks after. That's what happens when you let more regulation take over. Okay, so I realized that that clip that uh, I played of Gavin was a bit long-winded. Uh, what can I say? The guy is a, is a storyteller and an entertaining one at that, like him or dislike him. And, and by the way, I don't agree with everything Gavin says. I don't really agree with anything anyone says 100%, uh, on the right or the left or, you know, even, even centered, you know, I'm my, I'm my own guy. I mean, I, I lean more to the right, but like I said, I don't think you should agree with anyone 100% of the time. In fact, you know, that's not human nature. Um, But I would say, out of those 10 things, I mean, I agree with like the vast majority of them. And I would say that a lot of what Gavin said in that clip is pretty close to what I agree with a lot of libertarians on. Uh, namely, the fact that we need to, uh, abolish prisons or work towards that. Maybe not abolish them, you know, completely, like, as far as, like, local, you know, lockups, like, uh, county, uh, jails, and, you know, like, at, like, a certain point, maybe state penitentiaries to a certain extent, like, for more severe crimes, but I, but like Gavin said, the, the vast majority of, uh, you know, people who are imprisoned now are imprisoned for, you know, for minor things, drug possession, uh, prostitution, uh, harmless offenses, and a lot of minorities uh, or quote-unquote minorities, I don't really like to use the term uh, minorities either because I don't really believe, people are people. I don't really believe in like minorities or, you know, superior already, if, if that makes sense. I'm not, a, I'm not a supremacist and I'm not a, uh, a minority guy either. People are people. Um, but, you know, for this case... I will refer to, you know, the vernacular. You know, prison does affect minorities, uh, you know, in a negative way. Uh, And that is one thing that I think libertarians really do need to give Trump credit for. Uh, Trump is the most libertarian president we've had on a lot of things. But I would say, arguably, one of the things that he has really done well that I agree with is he met with Kanye West and Kim Kardashian and Sylvester Sylvester Stallone and Frank Stallone, and they all talked about comprehensive prison reform. And he actually got a couple of African Americans released from prison because of their, because of this prison reform. So there was actually real comprehensive prison reform 
under Trump. Yes, I realize that he's a statist somewhat. I realize that, you know, there are a lot of libertarians who don't like Trump. Now, I am a MAGA guy. I'm not, a, I'm not like a MAGA guy where I think everything Trump does is awesome and wonderful. I can, I can criticize Trump. But, like, if you had to put me in the camp of, you know, liking Trump versus disliking Trump, I, I like Trump. And plus, as I've said before in, in past episodes, you know, I was going to vote whoever that was running in the Republican Party because Hillary was a not, Hillary was, you know, she had to be stopped. I would have voted for Jeb. I would have gritted my teeth doing it, but I would have done it if it would have meant stopping Hillary. Uh, anyway, you know, so getting back. Yeah, prison reform was a big thing. Uh, you know, maybe one day we'll get to total prison abolishment. Um, it's not going to happen overnight, but I definitely think prison reform is a big step towards libertarianism. I also agree with Gavin heavily on the idea that I want, you know, I want everyone armed. And everyone who is like a gun control baboon is like, Sam, are you crazy? It would be the wild, you know, goddamn West out there. People would be shooting each other non-stop over, you know, over minor, uh, you know, stuff. It would be the purge every single day out there. Um, I don't necessarily know if that would be true. Uh, that's the other thing. That's the other thing. And this doesn't really relate to, I guess, you know, politics or whatever. I guess it does. But we need to shut down Big Pharma's influence on people. And we do need to recognize in regards to the gun issue in America, in regards to the, to the shooting issue here in America, we do need to recognize that we don't have a gun problem in America. We have a mental health issue more so in America. And that is one thing that we need to address not so much as a government but as a society just as a whole and I'm going to get to that to this in a sec um, but I do want to continue on the list so I, I definitely think I I agree with you know prison reform giving more people access to guns who are responsible with them who aren't criminals uh, you know I I I believe in, you know, basically like stripping down the government to its, you know, bare bones kind of. Uh, Now, in regards to welfare, a lot of libertarians are going to disagree with me on this, even classic libertarians. I don't necessarily like the idea of welfare, okay? And believe me, there are flagrant abuses of welfare out there. I believe that like 80 to 95% of welfare needs to get cut. However, there are certain legitimate exceptions where I believe that government assistance and, um, you know, welfare if you want to call it that, and I'm air-quoting, are still necessary. And that's mainly for people who who have severe disabilities. Uh, For those of you who, you know, don't know, I'm in a wheelchair uh, myself, although most listeners know that. Um, I'm not even sure I would qualify in this you know, circumstance, but I I do believe um, that at a certain level, uh, there are people who truly and generally need 
you know, welfare or government assistance in order to survive. They do need that safety net. It's a very small percentage of, of the population that needs that, but there is that demographic out there. And I think if we were to, like, cut 80% of the, you know, welfare out there and, and really, you know, make welfare to where it's really more, you know, for those who truly need it, I, I think the government could do it. But one of the big problems is, you know, it's not that hard to get on onto, and there are so many caveats to where people can get onto welfare. I mean, the other thing too, in regards to people with disabilities, you know, like like me, is yeah, I'm probably going to need some government assistance for some things. I would hope not, but I would also, you know, hope. I mean, I'm in college. I'm getting my technical writing degree, that's a very good career. Uh, I'm going to be making money at that career because it is in demand. Hopefully this podcast will continue to grow and I'll continue to make some income based off of that. Um, You know, so maybe I won't need like a, like, so so maybe, you know, more people with disabilities won't need a, a a stipend, but for those who like truly do need it, who don't have skills, you know, who are nonverbal, who can't talk, uh, you know, or have skills, those are the people who generally do need, uh, you know, total government assistance. And I, I don't think that, you know, those people should not be left out in the cold uh, through no fault of their own. Uh, that that's what I'm saying, and I, I think a lot of that too, a lot of the welfare stuff, a lot of the uh, government assistance stuff, could be administered locally, or at the very least at the state level rather than the federal level. I think it would be much better in terms of that. But yeah, I mean, other than that, I I agree. Pretty much get rid of the welfare system. Um. You know, also, Gavin didn't bring this up, but I think school choice is a major thing that a lot of libertarians want, which I agree with. Uh, Also, you know, speaking as a college student, get the government out of college. Uh, That's the reason why colleges are so expensive, is because the government stuck its hand in it, and so the government needs to have its, its role, you know, cut back. In terms of college influence. Um, now. Here's where I guess. I differ with a lot of libertarians. This was Gavin's whole point about banned censorship. And this was something that I made a lot of libertarians uncomfortable with. At Yellcon. But it's something that I said. At Yellcon to multiple people who got upset with me. But it needs to be said again. I am usually not for government regulation. However, when it comes to big, giant mega corporations, namely Google, mainly Twitter, mainly Facebook, who are censoring. Uh, dissenting political voices, they need to be regulated and broken up, not necessarily run by the government. This is the thing that I think a lot of people missed at Yellcon. I wasn't saying that the government should run Facebook or, um, or run YouTube or run Twitter. I'm simply saying that the government basically needs to break up the monopolies that these uh, companies have on, you know, on social media. They need to break up those monopolies and they basically need to change, I can't remember exactly what the exact coding is, but basically there's like some exemption 
where they operate like as a publisher or, or no I'm sorry that like Facebook and Twitter they currently operate as uh, platforms as opposed to, to publishers so it, it makes it basically makes it so it's harder for people to sue them because they're not responsible for the content on their platform yet because they're actively censoring voices they are in a sense you know regulating free speech here's the thing Libertarians go, oh, you know, Facebook, you know, Facebook, Twitter, they, they shouldn't be they shouldn't be regulated. That's against free markets. You know, if, if people are allowed to, uh, you know, start up alternative platforms, and it should be competition based. Okay, I agree with that for the most part. Here's the problem. In terms of technology, in especially when it comes to speech i wouldn't exactly say that when we have that when we have mega platforms like facebook and like twitter i wouldn't exactly say we're in a quote unquote free market system more like we're in, in a monopoly based system i mean sure yeah people can create alternative platforms but the thing it is is Facebook and Twitter have and Google have so much of a, a monopoly on the web now that it's basically impossible for smaller companies to get a, a, a you know any sort of footing you know, so it's it's not really a free market per se if the competition has a, a monopoly. And before the libertarians freak out and say, uh, you know, oh my God, he's against free markets and, you know, he wants the government to regulate Facebook and, you know, Again, I'm not advocating complete government control of Facebook, you know, or any of the social media platforms, but I'm simply just saying, let's break up the, the monopoly. Uh, Teddy Roosevelt, who I know wasn't a libertarian, but Teddy Roosevelt basically broke up Big Steel and broke up, like, you know, the big basically the big industrialist because he was afraid and rightly so and the government was afraid back then of the industrialists basically forcing their will their will upon the people see this is where i'm a little bit this is where i go to libertarianism Libert liberty and not encroaching on other people's values should not only should not only apply to, to the government, it should apply to these companies and to utility, you know, into into basically utilities, like you know, when Facebook basically says that I can't post about Alex Jones, and I'm not even a fan of Alex Jones, but I'm just leaving that leading this as an example. When Facebook says that I can't post about Alex Jones because it's too controversial and it violates their free, you know, their hate speech, you know, or their community standards, they are encroaching on my rights as well. Right? Libertarianism is all about we don't want the government or external forces to really encroach on our liberties. Big corporations like Facebook do encroach on your liberties. And they censor, you know, differing opinions from that. And it's, it's, it's not just conservative, and it's not just libertarians. They uh, censor, you know, liberals who aren't even on the same you know, stream of leftism as they are. So, basically, 
social media needs to get back to just acting as a platform. And as long as people aren't like doxing each other or actively making threats, certainly there are exceptions, you know, to the rule of, of regulation. I'm not saying that. Like people can be able to threaten each other on social media. But, you know, by God, like saying that I, you know, saying that like I agree with like, you know, Chick-fil-A or that I agree with Alex Jones or that I disagree with Black Lives Matter. Like, hate speech is not the same as, um, you know, like a death threat. And anymore, Facebook's definition of actual hate speech is so skewed, and same with all these social media platforms, that it's ridiculous. Like I said before, you know, like, I'm moderate compared, I'm moderate in the way I talk compared to, like, a lot of, you know, voices on the new, right? Like, so is Ray, but yet, because Ray and I are both simply advocating for, you know, smaller government and more liberty, that in and of itself could be considered a radical and dangerous viewpoint by Facebook. It's not, but it could be considered one. And so, do we really want, you know, Facebook or big social encroaching on our values too? They're not the government, but they're just as dangerous and, you know, whatnot as big government government I mean and the worst part is is well if, if you don't like it you can always leave well yeah but you know again where do you go to promote stuff now you know that's that's the thing there's such a monopoly that if you want to promote a podcast or if you want to promote a YouTube channel promote video or whatever you you, you kind of have to use the big platforms now it is scary. It is Orwellian, and it's not even by the big government. Um. So I and I apologize for the big free speech, you know, rant. That's something that I go on rants quite a lot about on this podcast. But it is true. Uh, free speech is a big issue. The last point I want to make about this is either the libertarians and the conservatives alike, either we can choose to take action and use and flex our role in the government in terms of social media regulation, or the left is going to do it. One way or the other, social media is going to get regulated. It's coming down the pike whether people like or not. So, in terms of social media regulation, do we simply want to say that the government, you know, that, like, you know, big social has to stay out of, you know, regulating speech? Or do we want the left who says that they have to regulate even more speech? Because that's what it's going to come down to. We can either have the government break up the monopolies and basically you know, have big social stay out of speech or we can have them encroach on speech even more with the assistance of the government, which is what's going to happen under the left if they get their way. One way or the, gov- one way or the other, the government is going to have to uh, act on it. So let us legislate so that the government has the least interference with social media, but yet social media also has the least, you know, control over us, too, if that makes sense to you guys. Alright, so that's my big free speech rant of the show. That's why people tune into this podcast, because free speech is a very passionate issue of mine. Um, Oh, also, yeah, Western culture and patriotism... And Western chauvinism. Now, I realize that a lot of libertarians, uh, some at least, don't really like the idea of like worship of patriotism 
or nationalism because they think it's worship of, of the state. Let me say that I understand where they're coming from. However, um, I do not worship the state. Um, worship isn't even like a really good word. I don't even admire the state. But I do admire the values that make America, America. I do have reverence for what the Founding Fathers initially wanted, which was freedom and liberty for, uh, you know, for the individual and freedom from tyranny. I do believe in American exceptionalism. Uh, America is a great country. Uh, and I am awed by, you know, American success stories. Um, and I have reverence for that. I don't think, I don't think being patriotic and having national pride is the same as worshiping the government. Now, Ray, a few weeks ago, uh, also said, I can't remember which episode it was, so apologies. Um, you know, that like a lot of people get way rowdy, you know, in the pro-military stuff and supporting the troops. And yeah, I mean, I do kind of agree with Ray on that. But at the same time, here's where I come in on the military. I love our, our military and the men and women who fight in our armed forces. Um, obviously, I'm not in the military, uh, but I have extreme reverence for the men and women who are willing to put their lives on the line for this country and for the body of, of Americans, as long as they do honestly and justly. I do have reverence for our veterans and, uh, you know, for our active serving military members. Um, do I think the military is a little too overpowered with drones and, you know, whatnot and with technology? Yeah, I do, but so is the rest of the world. Um, you know, so, like, if... In my world, in my ideal, in my ideal worldview, like all of the militaries across the world, the world would not be over overpowered. Well, I mean, in my ideal worldview, we wouldn't, you know, no one would need really a military. That's, you know, utopian. But here's where I basically stand with the military. I do agree with a lot of libertarians and a lot of, you know, conservatives. We need to end the ridiculous interventionist foreign wars. We really do need to end that. That's going to be a huge push. And that's something that a lot of, that a lot of conservatives and libertarians alike are you know, really in agreement on is that these foreign wars are ridiculous. Um, a lot of them are unnecessary and unjust. Uh, and when we need... But at the same time... Okay. I see the military basically as a giant first aid kit. Right? Home first aid kit, a car first aid kit. I don't ever want to have to use my first aid kit in an, in an emergency. I don't want to ever have to be in a position in an emergency to have to use it. But if there is an emergency and I do need to use it, I want to make sure I have the best first aid kit prepped and ready to go. And I feel the same way about the military. 
I don't want us to ever have to use the military unjustly. But damn it, if we get attacked by a foreign power, and if we as a society do, you know, if we get attacked, or if a very close ally, and I, I don't mean this in like an interventionist sense, but if our interests and our domain do get attacked and it's justified and we need to defend ourselves slash retaliate and it's absolutely necessary, you can be damn sure I want us to have the best military possible. This is why a little uh, Reagan-esque. I don't necessarily, you know, want a police state. Um, I think the cops are. I think local cops are way too over-militarized too. But, you know, getting back to the military, I want the military to be militarized, and us not to have to use them at all ever. But if we do have to use them, and it is absolutely necessary, I want us to have the best military possible to the point where we never need to use them. But I I think just that deterrent of having the best military, I I think we would continue to deter a lot of nations from messing with us. But at the same time, not an interventionist. I know it's 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 weird for some of you to grasp how I'm pro-military yet anti-interventionism, but trust me, it would work. Um, police departments. Uh, I would like to arm everyone. That is true. However, we still need law and order in this country. And so, well, I think that, you know, that cops are too over-militarized and whatnot. And while I think there's a bad police policy, most cops individually, at least the ones that I've met, are pretty decent people if you talk to them as individuals. The big thing that needs to change with the police is policy and the politics. We need to get politics out of policing. That's why, you know, policing in this country is so bad. It's political. And perhaps I'll get into that on a different episode because I realize we're running a bit long in the tooth here. But, you know, I'm I'm pro-cop, but let's demilitarize the cops. And, uh, you know, make law enforcement more local again. Uh, I do think body cams are necessary, too. And, uh, you know, as Ron Paul says, let's end the Fed and end the Federal Reserve, too. So, there you go. I guess I am more libertarian than some people give me credit for. Uh, I also do believe, as Gavin said, I'm pro-entrepreneur. I do appreciate Western values, too. And I think I think libertarians need to get involved in the culture war, too. As uh, Andrew Breitbart said, uh, politics is downstream from culture. And so, when all these libertarians, when all they want to talk about is economics, that's all well and good. But, you know, economics for libertarians and for people on the right is kind of like, you know, for quote-unquote science for liberals on the left. The left treats science as a religion, the right and libertarians treat economics as a religion on the right. Neither of them are. They're, you know, they're... Economics and science are both systems for metrics, not value systems, and not morality systems. We'll get into that more in a future episode.
But, um, basically, I think this episode does a pretty good job of, at least, this was kind of my class, in con- this was kind of my crash course into what conservatarianism is and kind of my worldview, my pragmatic worldview as it may be. Um, I certainly don't have all the answers. I would certainly love to talk to more, you know, libertarians, you know, conserv- conservatarians, straight conservatives. You know, anarchists, anarcho-capitalists. I'm happy to talk to Rothbardians. You know, anyone. I mean, I've already spoken to alt-right people, not happily, but I've done it. You know, so that's the other thing is we just need to continue having a dialogue with people, and that's the way we'll continue to move things forward. And I believe that that's the way the liberty movement will continue to, you know, gain traction is if we have a dialogue about these issues, which is what this podcast is all about. Um, And, you know, as I said before, I, 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 I did an entire episode Thursday, once again, on the Owen Benjamin thing. And for those um, you know, who, uh, I mean, I've, I've basically, I've done so many videos on Owen and the whole situation with, um, him in particular that I don't want to bring it up, but all I will say is this, there are some voices like Owen's and like Richard Spencer's and, uh, you know, like a lot of people on the alt-right who aren't actually for liberty, but like to say they are because, you know, it's a cash cow thing right now, right? Owen claimed to be a uh, libertarian, a free speech warrior guy. And then basically, you know, thought that like free speech simply meant that he would be allowed to say the N-word, repeatedly on Twitter without consequences and to say the most offensive stuff on social media without repercussion, okay? The liberty movement and the free speech movement isn't so much about being able to say the most offensive stuff possible. I certainly believe that people should be able to say some tabooish things But the overall idea about, you know, about free speech is more, let's have intellectual conversations about, you know, differing topics. Let's not say, let's not get bent out of shape because we can't say the N-word 15,000 times on Twitter and then, you know, get penalized for blatant racism. You know, that that's the other thing is I don't think there's any room really in the liberty movement for blatant racism or blatant, um, you know, anti-Semitism or discrimination, um, you know, of anyone. that That's oppressive and that's not part of liberty. Um, so, you know, Owen, Owen, won, Owen specifically because he's kind of targeted me and some people in, you know, my realm of things. Uh, you know, Owen, wa- Owen wanted to, uh, you know, claim to be martyred for free speech. Owen, you're, you're not. You know, and, I mean, now Owen's taken a 180 on free speech. His, uh, his once, uh, his band of unbearables, which was once pretty libertarian actually has now turned into everything Owen says is God you know is is God's words and um, you know everything that he says is gospel and you know Owen slash Big Bear is a genius and you know if you don't agree with him you're an idiot and he's basically a cult leader and that's not why I want you know 
libertarianism to turn into. And I realize that Owen is also a very small minority as far as online voices. The reason I keep bringing it up is um, I realize that a lot of these ideas in the liberty movement are going to take time to implement. Uh, and I realize that people get impatient, and when they get impatient, they start following really crazy voices like Owen. Um, so I don't like to give them too much attention. I, you know, once again want to remind people that he does not speak for the entire liberty movement. He's not, you know, liberty oriented. Neither is Richard Spencer. Neither are, you know, is Paul Nealon or any of these guys. You know. They're authoritarian. So, uh, with all that being said, ladies and gentlemen, I, I want to thank you for listening to this audio podcast. Um, I will be back, if you're listening to this on Saturday morning, I will be back tonight for the uh, TWR Saturday official show. Um, if you're listening to, to this on Saturday. And that will be live on YouTube at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. So, uh, you know, stop on by. We'll be talking more about Jeffrey uh, Epstein and that whole thing. And uh, maybe we'll have a few guests tonight. I'm not sure. But anyway, it should be a pretty good time. I want to thank you all for listening to the podcast. And uh, from all of us at NGC Studios, good night, God bless, and God save this great nation. Uh, If you would like to leave comments for the podcast, uh, feel free to go to the Whitfield Report subreddit uh, at r slash Whitfield Report on Reddit. Join over there. Uh, You can also leave a voicemail for the audio podcast using Anchor. I believe the link for that will be in the description. You can go to my Anchor page at anchor.fm forward slash Whitfield Report. Leave a voicemail there. And if you do want to support the show monthly, you can uh, subscribe there too for as little as $1.99 a month or $10 a month. I will be updating the Patreon soon as well. Uh, and also check out my website, thesandwithfield.com, for everything else uh, Whitfield Report related. And uh, I think that'll do it, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, thank you for listening to the program. Uh, Good night. God bless. And uh, as always, God save this nation. God freedom legacy in that order.